They have nothing. They're a hospital ship. They're a non-combatant. So that when they saw the ship, the plane coming, there really was nothing they could have done. They, no, no. Actually, they hit him at, at night. The ship was lighted. And so he used, that's why the, the pilot used the Red Cross as a target. You're listening to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast, and I'm your host, Tatiana Fallon. This podcast is run by the organization Stories Behind the Stars. We have the goal of writing a story for every service American service member killed during World War II. That's over 420,000. We are accomplishing this goal through amazing volunteers who you will hear in this podcast as they research and write these stories. If you're at all interested in becoming a volunteer and researching and writing these stories, please check us out at storiesbehindthestars.org. Thank you so much for your time, and I hope you enjoy this amazing content that we're finding. In March, we celebrate Women's History Month, so we thought it was completely fitting to have us highlight some of the women who were killed in World War II. And... Today's episode, I have the opportunity to speak with researcher and author John Strupp. He recently completed writing all the profiles for the women killed on the USS Comfort, which was a Navy um, hospital ship. It's quite a compelling story um, and obviously tragic, but very inspiring as well. So we hope that you enjoy this episode. Um, Just a few things to be aware of. If you're interested in learning more about these women and the lives that they lived, you can check out each one of their profiles. There will be a link in the description to fold through to read their entire so- their entire stories. And then you can also, um, if you're interested in learning more about John and his work, there will be a link to his book that you can check out. Do us a huge favor and share this with those that you love and think would enjoy listening to these inspiring stories. It's quite a lot of work that John's put into these stories. They're really well done and definitely worth looking into. Um, Thank you for your time. We've been on the podcast before, but for our new listeners, would you just introduce yourself? Tell us a little about what you do, why you're doing this project, and, and what brought you to the Stories Behind the Stars? Okay, well, my name is John Strupp, and um, I got involved with Stories Behind the Stars. I did a podcast last April talking about um, some of the profiles that I've done over the years from various projects. I wrote a book about the ship my dad was on in World War II. Uh, the title of the book is King of the Oilers the story of the USS Chihuahua AO-68. It was a fleet oiler uh, during World War II. My dad was on it for two and a half years. And uh, the ship is still floating. It's an ore boat on the Great Lakes now. So so I follow that. And um, what brought me into the project was uh, Don Milne had contacted me about uh, when he was doing his um, feature with the 100th birthday uh, project uh, uh, there was a local, uh, man that was killed at Pearl Harbor was, uh, Ira Jeffrey. And so he was going to do a feature on Ira and I had done a, uh, find a grave page. And so he had contacted me on, on that. And then as that evolved into the stories behind the stars, um, uh, I was uh, invited to do a podcast last April. And so now I'm back and I'm happy to be here and I'm 
hello to everyone. And if you're a veteran, thank you for your service. So um, what I had done, uh, I had done profiles on 22 men. And so um, then I got, I looked at uh, a woman who was killed on active duty. The first wave to die on active duty was Elizabeth Kerensky. And she died in November of 1943, I think. Don't remember the month, but um, there was a Just real quick of, to clarify, what's a wave for our listeners? Oh, a wave is, is the, the women's uh, uh, department of the Navy. They were women, it was an acronym, Women Accepted for Volunteer Emergency Service. So, um, so Elizabeth was um, on a base in Norfolk, Virginia, and there was an accident, uh, mishandled ordinance, and uh, it uh, exploded and killed, I think, 26, 28 people. And unfortunately, they were right before lunch, and all these uh, sailors were going to lunch and when this happened. And so um, it she died. I think she was, she was, wasn't in the Navy very long. Um, and she, I think she was a seaman second class. So she had just, just only been in the Navy. And so, um, I started researching her and I, I found that researching women was more, um, was difficult and more challenging than, than researching men because they're just, women were not, um, considered the same as men. Um, it was not a typical career path at the time. Um, I've talked to Lee Schneider and we had a discussion about, well, why did, why would women join the military? This was not a traditional path that, um, for women. And so um, there was, Lee helped me find some information. There wasn't a lot out there on her. Um, so we did put together a page and so I decided I wanted to do more women. And so I was got involved with the story of the USS Comfort and the six nurses who were killed uh, when a Japanese suicide plane uh, dove into the ship and hit the surgical ward, used the Red Cross on the, on the ship as a target and hit the, surger, the surgical ward while surgery was being uh, conducted about 50 miles from Okinawa on April 28th, 1945. So there were seven nurses in the surgery ward and six of them were killed. So my connection to the comfort is that the first commanding officer of the comfort was uh, Harold F. Fultz, who was also the first commanding officer of my dad's ship, the USS Chihuahua. So that's what attracted me because I was a connection from Harold and then, and then, and this, uh, tragedy that happened. And there was, it's a story that's has a, a, a lot of, there's a great backstory to it. There was as a wonderful website done by one of the other nurses, Doris Gardner. Uh, there was a book called too close for comfort written by Dale Harper. That was a good source, had lots of pictures of the nurses in there. Um, I don't know where he got them, but he got them. Um, so there was and some great resources out there, but once you start looking at the, the nurses themselves, um, it's a little, it's a little different because women change names, they get married. Um, they, 
these nurses uh, varied in age all from their 40s to their 20s. Some of them had established nursing careers. And so why would you join the military when you already have an established nursing career? And I didn't really find a reason why in, in any of the research, you know, none of the newspaper articles said they joined the, the army for a particular reason. Um, just real quick, what kind of ship was the Comfort? Well, it was just a, The Comfort was a hospital ship, so it was a non-combatant. So and, it was a Navy hospital ship, so it wasn't like yes. a Red Cross ship. No, no but it was the Red a, Cross was using it, or uh, no? This isn't. This was. Um, well, I can get into that a little bit because this was a U.S. Navy ship, and the so the there were. This is the first time it was tried that the. The ship itself was run by the Navy, but the medical department was run by the Army. So the Hope and the Mercy were also run this way. So the Comfort, the Hope, and the Mercy were run as in this configuration. So um, I guess I'm going to get up on a small tangent here. Um, my wife is a Navy nurse. I was uh, She was part of the Navy Nurse Corps in the 1990s. And so um, women are a bit overlooked in general. Uh, we go through it in our day-to-day -day lives. Uh, we will be walking someplace and those, obviously I'm a military historian and I'll start talking military and they ask me when I served when my wife is standing right next to me. I never served a day. And it's a, and they just assume that she never served. And I'd say, I never served a day, but she did. Wow, I bet the, their look is like, on their face is like, what? <laughs> yeah, the, they'll they get a, a shocked look on their face, and it's like, oh, okay. So that's another reason that attracted me to this. I think we need to bring attention to that women do serve, and 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 make that a little more uh, bring that to light uh, more. So um, uh, if you if you want me to, I can do a brief. Um, overview of, of each nurse, if you'd like. Um, yeah, sorry, I derailed you. You were talking about, um, you, were, you were about to talk about the nurses and, yeah. and what brought them to, to being in the Navy. And um, yeah. I just derailed you because I was yeah. a little confused. I didn't realize that we had Navy hospital ships that were, um, that was, that's kind of a cool aspect of the war. I mean, it makes sense. Like, what you need the hospital so why not put them on the ship make them mobile so. yeah they have to be mobile they have to bring bring the care to where the care is needed and you know one thing i do want to point out about these and what my wife said her her mission is to not inflict suffering but relieve it so these are non-combatants they're not trained to to inflict suffering they're trained to to relieve it that that's their mission so that's that's one thing my wife and I talked about. But um, so I can I can get into a brief overview of, of each nurse if you'd like. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. Love so, to hear those six stories. Yeah. Um, so the first nurse I have is Florence uh, Taylor Gruer, and see when I said researching her was a little bit harder because she got she was married. And then she changed for the army. She changed her middle name to be her maiden, which yeah, it, it's kind of strange why she why she would do that. And I I could not find her original middle name. 
So on all of her armor paperwork, she's Florence T. Gruber, or Gruer, I'm sorry. So she was born in 1902. So when she died, she was 43. So she had an established nursing career. Um, she was born in former North Dakota. And she was the youngest of three sisters. Uh, and her father died in 1919. So she, her father died when she was 17. And she went to nurses training at Northwestern Hospital in Minneapolis. And she married Paul H. Gruer, and who was a dentist when she was 22 years old. I could not find their marriage date. And they adopted a son. And he went by his middle name. Uh, his name was Douglas Paul Gruer, but he went by Paul. Uh, he was born in 1930. And then she divorced uh, her husband moved to Seattle to live with her sister, Mildred. And then she lived with her sister for about six months. And then she moved to Longview, Washington, uh, where she was a superintendent of nursing at Longview General Hospital, and, all, and which was also known as Colwitz General Hospital. Uh, Florence enlisted in the Army on October 10th, 1942 at Seattle, Washington. And eventually she volunteered for hospital ship duty and received training at Camp Stoneman, California, and additional operational training at at the station hospital at Torrance, California. All six of these nurses were part of the original crew of the Comfort. So they all went through the same training at the same time together. So I'm not gonna repeat all, all of the training um, stuff that they went through with each one. So, um, so this ship was in the Pacific Theater. Uh, it was commissioned on May 5th, 1944 at Terminal Island, California. And um, made stops in Australia and uh, a couple of other places. And then at Christmas of 1944, the ship came back to California for um, some maintenance work and to give this, the crew a, a break. Uh, some of the nurses did get to see their families. At Christmas, uh, Bob Hope came aboard with Francis Langford and they put on a show, which was uh, kind of interesting. Um, uh, so Florence, when she died, she was um, held the rank of first lieutenant. Her family was notified of her death on May 10th, 1945, and she's buried in Arlington National Cemetery. So that kind of two of these nurses are buried at Arlington. So that kind of ties in with your Arlington project. So I, I was happy to help out with that kind of kill two birds with one stone. That's so, amazing. So she was a lieutenant, so that's that's pretty high-ranking, right? I mean, that's... Well, it's, it's uh, Army and Navy, you know, you have to remember their rankings oh, okay. work a little differently. Yeah. Um, so the, a first lieutenant is... Second lieutenant is the lowest uh, officer. The next step up is first lieutenant, and then a captain, and then a major, lieutenant colonel, colonel, and a general. That's that's the, the pecking order. In the Navy, it's an ensign, and you're lieutenant J.G., and a full lieutenant, and then a lieutenant commander, commander, and then the captain. You get that? So that that's the pecking order in the Navy. So a captain in the Army is completely different from a captain in the Navy. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be confusing if you're not familiar yeah. with that. But she was in the Army, but in the Navy on the Navy. Well, she ship. was in on a Navy ship. So the okay. the medical the medical operation was run by the Army, and the actual ship itself, all of the functions of navigation and you know the engine room and yeah. all of the functions on the ship were run by the navy so okay. that's so the next nurse is uh her name was Frances olive chesley 
She was born on October 24th, 1910 in Fort Fairfield, Maine. Um, she had a brother, Lloyd. She graduated from Presque Isle, Maine High School in 1928. She worked at the New England Baptist Hospital in Boston where she received her nursing degree and worked at Long Island Beckham Street Hospital, the Leahy Clinic and John D. Rockefeller Hospital in Columbia, South America for three years before enlisting in the Army on May 1st, 1943. And after that, she was stationed at Fort Devens and Camp Miles Standish. And then she went through the same process. Um, she was in charge of the surgical ward at the time of the attack, and she held the rank of second lieutenant at the time of her death. She was the first woman from Maine to die on active duty in World War II. Initially buried on Guam, her remains were removed to the Pine Grove Cemetery in Portland, Maine on, in May of 1948. Um, the next nurse is Margaret May Billings, and um, I got help with, from Lee Schneider with this. So I want to give her some, a thank you for her, her help with this. Um, so Margaret was born on April 16th, 1910, and she graduated from Everett High School in 1928, and then she held a job as a clerk, and I think she... She went into accounting for a while and then decided to go to nursing school. I'm just looking at my notes here. I'm sorry. Um, no, she enlisted in the Army in April of 1942 and went through the same process. Um, and she was able to see her family for the 1944 Christmas holiday when the ship arrived in St. Pedro, California. Um, she held the rank of second lieutenant at the time of her death. And she's buried in Evergreen Cemetery in Everett, Washington. So the next nurse was... Um, Evelyn Catherine Eckert, and she was a, a little bit hard to research because she went by her middle name. So um, things get a little confusing and her parents were Hungarian immigrants. So there was some citizenship issues and her mother sometimes spelled her name with a K, sometimes with a C. So this is where things can get a little difficult to research, but she was born on March 27th, 1921 in Pittsburgh. Um, and then she, she had brothers that were twins born in 1919 and another brother, Emil, born in 1923. Um, and then her mother died in 1928 from a ruptured appendix when uh, Catherine, well, she went by Catherine as of Evelyn, was seven years old. Um, so she went to, she graduated from the Taylor uh, Allerice High School in Pittsburgh in 1939, enrolled in Southside Hospital School of Nursing. Shortly after graduating from nursing school, she enlisted in the Army on March 10th, 1943, at Indian Town Gap Military Reservation in Pennsylvania. So, um, when she died, she also held the rank of a second lieutenant, and she is also buried at Arlington National Cemetery. So um, the next nurse is Ida Marie Greenwood. She was born April 2nd, 1918 in Terry, Montana. But uh, she had three brothers, Harold born in 1914, Bert born in 1920, and um, another one born in 1926. So she was active in work in the community church Sunday school, Christian Endeavor Choir, Vacation Bible School, Summer Conference work, uh, attended Terry Grade School, graduated from Terry High School in 1936, took nurses training at Montana Deaconess Hospital in Great Falls, Montana, graduating in 1939. 
She worked at Deaconess Hospital as the head nurse in the obstetrical department. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and, and she enlisted in the Army in September of 1942 and was stationed in Hawaii for a period of time. Uh, she held the rank of second lieutenant at the time of the attack and is buried at the Prairie County Cemetery in Terry, Montana. So our, our last nurse also went by her middle name. So that um, Don had started doing some research on her for his 100th birthday project and got a little stonewalled because he couldn't figure out her first name because <laughs> uh, she was Dorothy Mildred Stanky or to her friend, she was Millie. Uh, she was born April 5th, 1920 in Oaksdale, Washington. Uh, she had two brothers, Willard, born in 1913, and Glenn, born in 1915. Uh, two sisters, Lois, born in 1911, and Helen, born in 1923. She graduated from Colfax High School. And since childhood, she planned on being a nurse and graduated from St. Luke's School of Nursing in Spokane, Washington, on May 25, 1942. She served as class secretary and enlisted in the Army on May 18, 1943, and received her commission as a second lieutenant the following day. Uh, she went through the same process. Like I said, all, the, all these nurses were part of the original crew. So um, she also was able to see her family for the 1944 Christmas holiday. Um, she received her, her parents received their last letter from her on April 30th, 1945, which was postmarked April 25th. So she wrote this letter three days before she died. The parents, her parents were notified of her death on May 7th, 1945 by the War Department. She held the rank of First Lieutenant. She's buried at the Colfax Cemetery in Colfax, Washington. And I think I, I do want to point out when I was looking at these articles, um, it was they, the, the families were notified of the, of the nurses' deaths just before Mother's Day. So these mothers found that their, child, their children had, had died just before Mother's Day. Wow, that's really hard. But it's 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 harsh. Um, so that's the the six nurses that I I have. Um, so I, I hope I I did this justice. Like I said, this was researching women is just a, a little bit different, and it's it's not always the same. One thing that I found really fascinating is a lot of them graduated high school like right before the Great Depression. So yes. they were they were older than a lot of these men that you see dying in World War II. Um, they're in thirties or forties. That's really interesting to see. I, I really wish we could find out why they decided to join the you know the army. Well, well, I just I talked to Lee about that, and Lee had had said a lot of times um, women join the military to escape a situation, maybe a bad home or a bad marriage or some sort of bad situation. I, I, um, I don't think you have to be a minority to have that reason, but um, some people do join the military to, to escape a situation. Um, yeah, you know, I actually, my, yeah, I've, I've read a book about um, a man who joined the military because he was from like it's called Appalachia or something. It, he was from like you know, generations of poverty. So he joined the military and it really helped him just like break that cycle and get out of that abuse and get out of all that, you know? So it's interesting to see, like it, it could, it, I had not thought of the war was really disruptive, but in some ways maybe it was a good disruption 
to kind of break and give women and other minorities a chance to break the cycle of whatever was happening and, and change things. I hadn't really thought about that. Cause another thing that's interesting is those women were like all across the country. You, know, you kind of would expect, Oh, they're probably like just like the West coast. Cause they were West coast ship, you know, but they were like all over the country that they came and, yeah. and did that. They're like really fascinating to see that. Um, well, that's usually what the military does. It's a mixing pod. Uh, that's what my dad talked about is, you know, he was exposed to people from other parts of the country that he would have never seen had he stayed in Wisconsin. So um, he saw people from all walks of life. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's part of the reason why we're here in Kentucky is because my brother-in-law joined the military and my brother joined the Air Force. My brother-in-law joined the Army. And then they moved them all over the country and then they settled on the East Coast. I mean, we're originally from the West Coast. And so we moved out here to be closer to my brother and my brother-in-law and my sister. And and it's kind of funny. It's like, you know, it's still happening with military, just moving you all over the place and resettling things and getting you where you'd never think you'd be. And so I think that's an yeah. interesting part of the story of these women's lives is, you know, coming from, it's like I'm thinking like Montana in the 1930s was probably smaller than Montana is now, you know. <laughs> so this yeah, is like, I'm sure it was pretty desolate. Yeah, and so it she's wasn't like, a lot. I don't know, you know, plucked out of this, you know, out into the, the into California and a totally different world, and then put on this ship and and all the way across the world, seeing things she'd never seen before, you know, with a group of women that are from all over the place, all over walks of life. And it's just fascinating to see how how they, you know, made things work and, and fought together, but also like, you know, how they died together. It's it's tragic, but it's it's interesting to see what happened because of the war and like trickled down to everybody's life. I love that part about doing the research. Well, if you want to, it's Doris Gardner. Um, uh, the uh, yeah, Doris Gardner. If you if you Google like USS Comfort, you'll you'll run into Doris Gardner's um, website, and her daughter did it as uh, Doris apparently didn't never threw anything away, and so they had a lot of her memorabilia and and pictures and things and letters, and so it's it's a it's a really good source if you want to get a feel because it did seem like these nurses were very close to each other. Um, and so um, that's how I found out about the, the, the one surviving nurse and the, she, the, the, the crash of the plane uh, threw her on top of a patient and the patient died. Wow, but so she survived. She survived. Excuse me. Yes, she survived. And um, uh, unfortunately, the patient that she was thrown on top of died. Well, they were, so it was the surgical ward. So these patients were already like, yeah, they were in surgery. Uh, there were four doctors that were killed too. Wow. This killed this crash killed 28. Wow. But the ship itself was just, was fine. It was just like, you know, damaged. Was, yeah. The, they were still able to travel under their own power and, um, they were escorted to Guam. Oh, okay. Uh, for repairs and to bury the dead. So they were off the coast of Okinawa, then obviously treating men who were fighting. Right. right. In Okinawa. Yeah, they were, the, the battle for Okinawa started on April 1st. And so they were taking wounded, treating 
the wounded as they, they left. And so this is when the attack happened. Um, there's just a lot of facets to this story once you start digging into it, because if you, the book, this too, too close for comfort book talks about this was supposed to be retaliation for our, uh, Japanese hospital ship that was torpedoed by the Americans. So if you start looking at that sub commander, he had two Navy crosses. He was a very aggressive submarine commander. And so there's a, like I said, there's a lot of facets to this. Um, but I should say that, um, uh, Harold Fultz was not the commanding officer at the time of this incident. Uh, he had left two weeks before. So the, they had a, a different commanding officer and his last name was Tooker. And I can't remember his first name, but his last name is Tooker. T-O-O-K-E-R. So and this is just me being naive, but did a, did a military sh uh, sh like hospital ship, did the Navy hospital ships have any kind of weaponry to defend themselves? Nope, nope. none, zero. And they're they not allowed by the Geneva either. Convention. They are oh, not okay. allowed to carry any any defense, any guns. They have nothing. They're a hospital ship. They're non-combatant. So that when they saw the ship, the plane coming, there really was nothing they could have done. They, no, no. Actually, they hit him at at night. The ship was lighted, and so he used. That's why the the pilot used the Red Cross as a target. Wow. So, I mean, uh, there's not a lot of these instances in the war, right, where they attacked the hospital ships. No, no. There are close calls. You know, they're in a, in a combat zone. There are close calls where they, you, know, you read about even the comfort here had a few close calls, but not, this was the any time that it saw any actual damage. Wow. That's really interesting. Like from the perspective, like a parent thinking, oh, my daughter's out there doing, you know, serving in the war, but she's on a hospital ship. So like the, the, the odds of them, you know, getting an accident are not very high, you know, so I think right. it's really been a shock to the whole, you know, I mean, anytime someone passes away, it's a shock, but it's like, I think it probably even more so it's like, wait, how does this happen? You're on a hospital ship and this happens. I mean, yeah. So um, but the another interesting thing I, I wanted to point out too is when I was researching this, is the word kamikaze was never used in any of the newspaper descriptions of the of what happened. It was always they were just it was just referred to as a Japanese suicide plane. So where does the term kamikaze come from? When did we start using that? Yeah, it would like later in the war when it started happening more often or I mean, well, this this was already April of 45, yeah, late so. April. So the war is coming to an end. So when did when did this morph into the word using the word kamikaze to to describe this type of attack? Because the, yeah. the Japanese yeah. referred to these pilots as a special attack force. They didn't call them kamikaze pilots. They were just referred to the special attack force. Wow, I did not know that. That is interesting. I wonder if someone, maybe someone will, will send us email and be like, hey, this is when it happened. <laughs> yeah. Give us a yeah, this is. So I, I, I thought that was interesting while I was researching this and reading newspaper articles from the time and, uh, and, and, that, and those sorts of things. I thought, I, I thought were interesting to pass along to, some, to the listeners out there. That's one of the things that I, I think is going to be so fun when the Arlington project is done is just the amount of really fascinating stories that are going to be coming to the light, you know, because 
these Arlington buried, you know, have significant, they've obviously done something to be buried at Arlington, right? So I think you're going to see some more of these really interesting stories come to fruition as we get more of these stories done. Yeah. Yeah. How is that project coming? If they're going to give it a little plug and get some people interested <laughs> in, they want to research something. And I know we're a little behind from what I'm understanding. Thank you so much for taking your time to listen to this episode of the podcast. A few things to be aware of. We are in the middle of our Arlington project. It's a national project. We're trying to get all of the World War II buried in Arlington, a story, and our app so that you, any one of the millions of people who visit Arlington every year can actually see a picture or read a story of those that they visit. And it's a really awesome project, so we're going to have some great content. So if you're interested in that at all, check us out at www.storiesbehindthestars.org and click the volunteer button to join the Star Corps and become one of our writers. Another thing, I have not been able to launch these podcasts at a weekly basis as I used to be um, for myriad of reasons. Mostly my two-year-old stopped taking a nap, so there went my volunteer time. So um, if you subscribe, you'll get these episodes when they launch. Um, and if you want to help us uh, fund a lot of our back-end things that we have to pay for, um, like the website and the VPN. We've created a uh, Patreon account where you can go check that out, become a Patreon member, and um, support us that way to help us pay some of the, the fees that are associated with running a big project like that. So we appreciate all of our volunteers. We appreciate everything that you've done for us, and hope to see you next episode.